to what? It is your part documentary and part roundtable podcast with a sprinkling of competition. I'm Ellie Main, your host, and every week I have joining me my very good friend Chelsea. Chelsea, how are you? I am sweepy. I am I am the old woman in the tree that when you see her and you realize she's not part of the tree. You're yeah. like, that woman's bones are tired. That's me. <laughs> that is some tired bones. I heard you went out to the Hill of Life. Yeah, we Hill of life it. Max and Celia, friends of the pod, uh, and Caroline, who the podcast doesn't know. Uh, Stranger to the pod. All did a... <laughs> a strange ritual to me that like I just oh. sort of in an uncharacteristic way allowed to happen yeah uh, and I've okay. never been the same oh okay <laughs> what kind of rich what what was it they made me plank in the water uh-huh. and then Celia held my legs up so that I like, like just like my back situation it's like my back and like my butt were like out of the water but everything else was in the water and I was uh-huh. like planking <laughs> and then Max and Celia took turns stacking stones on on Perfect. my butt good and seeing how high they could get them and on my back and <laughs> they pushed the stones down really hard but i had to keep strong in well my done. plank did you do it and then yeah and then uh celia or not celia, caroline poured water over my head and sang songs to me and then she kissed my forehead like That's beautiful. five times i love that yeah. for you I'm glad you love it pretty much everybody else in the green belt did not really enjoy it yeah. and i uh, thought it was really strange yeah i can see that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did feel a little bit like they were trying to drown me. Like maybe I was connecting with like an ancestral past. Yeah, maybe people were just like, should I intervene or or no? Yeah, of being like weighted down with stones (laughs) in the the river. But I survived it and I'm stronger for it. And again, nothing has ever been the same. Well, congratulations. Oh my God, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Miles has gone down to San Antonio and he took little chipathy with him. So I'm having like... Uh, night into myself and I'm having a lovely time. Oh, so it's a girl's it. It's like a girl's night because it's you and cheese. Exactly, yeah. We had food in the fridge to cook, but like, come on. I ordered something. Yeah. Of course. You gotta um, get your own thing. This is my little treat. Yeah. So you got ice cream? Um, you I'm... got Haagen-Dazs that you can cry into? Exactly, that's it. I'm gonna watch a soppy movie and curl up on the couch and it's gonna be it. I'm probably not gonna do any of that. <laughs> But I'm excited. I'm excited to chill. It's been, it has been a long weekend. I was out a bit late last night. Yeah. Oof. Yes. <laughs> it was rough. It was uh, a friend of mine's 30th birthday and we went pretty horrid for her. Yeah. And it ended with me taking a very, very drunk Connor, which is always funny. Oh yeah. Uh, through the drive-thru at Whataburger at like 3 a.m. Hell yeah. And it was a really long line. And about midway through, Connor started to thrash around the car like, <laughs> like a pet on the way to the vet. <laughs> perfect <laughs> and Amazing. i was like i don't know what to tell you king like we are in this like there's no getting out of it now like this yeah. is what we're doing we yeah. are in this line uh <laughs> there is no turn off there is no reverse and he was just like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! It was very funny. <laughs> I love that. I've ne- I can't imagine Connor like drunkenly thrashing. Uh, it's it's a rare. I mean, that's why it's so good. It's like such a rare treat. It's like seeing <laughs> your teacher at the grocery store, and you're like, oh shit. Oh what? They're a person. What the what the fuck? Yeah. Fun and exciting news. We Tell got me. sent a fact bang through social media. Oh my god! I know. Here we go. So it's from Drake Tungsten Dash Two. What's up? If you're listening, it says Ellie Maney 
Lee, got a fat bang for you. In researching the moon for her sci-fi book, Relentless Moon, author Mary Robinette Cowell discovered that 96 bags of human waste were left there by astronauts and remain there to this day. True story. Poop on the moon. (laughs) That sucks. They're just leaving it there. What if then like it like breaks down and then helps create stuff that then like grows on moon stuff? Like moon plants. Moon plants born of human poop. Moon mushrooms, like moon fungi. Ooh. Moon guy. Do you have a fact bang? I do. And it's oh it's an L.E.L.E. fact bang. Like Ooh. it's for you. Yay. Okay. Have you ever wondered why in England, uh, <laughs> where you're from, uh-huh. like there's this sort of naming convention for pubs where it's like the dog and duck, the, you know, the, the shep- heart and stone. The shepherd's the- name. The king's head. The queen's head. Right. Like these like almost just like these like very like sort of object based, I guess. Yeah. The wheel like and wagon. Not, yeah. Like it's a uh, wheel and wagon's a good example too. Uh, the reason why is because up until like very, very recently in the whole history of time, two things were true. One, most people lived in like little hamlets, like on yeah. somebody's land or whatever. And that person, you know, the landed gentry or whatever would build like a school, <laughs> a, a school. pub, <laughs> a church, and everybody would go to those things. So it did, nothing had to really be named. It was just that is the, the pub, pub and that is the church that we all go to and then the (laughs) second thing that is true is that everybody almost everybody was illiterate (laughs) and so when there started to be like cities or like Uh kind of like more like towns and then they got big enough where there would be more than one pub there had to be a way to differentiate between them so that people could easily in conversation be like uh hey meet me at the pub oh what pub and then well i don't know and so wheel and wagon on it yes so the the (sighs) like first ever advertising essentially not in the world but just like in i guess pub pub based history was that they would just make these signs that had like a wheel and a wagon or a dog and a duck and then it'd be like oh meet me at the dog and duck that's and then that's why they're called that i love that and so then if you put up like a you know the bust of a king or queen then you'd be like it's the queen's ed yeah i love that that's so cool yeah it's very fun uh well we used to have where we used to live in kent we had the the well there's the halfway house and then what was mm-hmm. that one? Oh, the wheel writes in. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, because maybe I guess... it's somebody that worked on wheels. I guess yeah, a carriage maker or something lived there. Yeah, and they were like, oh, go go on down to the wheel rights. Eleanor, what's your title? Oh my gosh. I'm actually very proud of this title and kind of I'm proud of this topic. It gives me sort of throwbacks to the cute, cute story that you did about the goat and uh-huh. the Christmas goat. So Aww, I love him. <laughs> I do love him very much. He's cute as hell. So my title is Written in the Rice. This isn't that thing that you get on vacation where like somebody like draws your name on a grain of rice and you get it on a necklace. <laughs> I used to have one of those. <laughs> and if you put it in like a tiny fake like me- message in a bottle thing and yes like, this is my your, name on your rice. name <laughs> on a grain of rice uh, it's not that but that is well, such shit. a weird fun tourist thing written in rice is it about rice cakes is it like a food Mm-mm, no it's not a food oh question would our seaside shell emporium have the rice necklaces um it depends we would have to find somebody in our friend group who wanted to give it all away tm <laughs> 
uh, to come be the rice. Like we like that's like a specialized skill, and we yeah. need an artisan who wants to come work at the Seashell Emporium. Maybe we can just like truly crack Max, and then that can be his job. Yeah, just like grain <laughs> of rice. Yeah. Well, who in our friend group maybe has like the most delicate hands, like with like the finest work? Maybe Ash. Maybe Ash. Oh, Ash. Yeah, that's a good shout. Ash would do it. Yeah. See, this is we're getting there. We're figuring this out. We're, we're formulating it. Written in the rice. Um, God, written I don't in the rice. Know. I'll give you a clue. Uh, Oh, this please do. entire topic was inspired by something you said, I believe, in the last episode. I say a lot of things. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, sometimes it's just with the music of your own voice. <laughs> well, I think you're going to enjoy it. It's about ghosts? Not about... No, it's not about ghosts. Is it about, like rice fields yes yes it is they they feature okay. for sure well i'm excited to find out well i'm excited to tell you what's the title of your oh topic God. the title of my topic is the case of the bops the case and of i the... am not proud of this title i just had a really hard time figuring out how to name this one <laughs> the case of the box bops b-o-p-s bops ah bops. like um like chart topping music like a good song a good bop yeah. Ooh, a case of bops. Case of the bops. Uh, is it about Top of the Pops? Uh, so Top of the, kind of. It's not Ooh. about Top of the Pops, but I was playing, like, you kind of, like, immediately zeroed in on what I was, like, playing on, mm-hmm. which was Top of the Pops, which I, I always thought was, like, that. a really good name for a show. Like, it's way better than TRL. Like, I don't know if the show is better than, like, just to be clear, that's what I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, between the two names, Top of the Pops and TRL, like, come on. Um, gosh, I used to watch Top of the Pops every week. It was very whip and it was like this is the final one. Oh, is it about how Top of the Pops got cancelled? Or like did Top of the Pops get cancelled? Not cancelled in like a they did something bad, but just like it it uh, it ended, it was over. Because like the top ten purchasing single charts kind of became much more irrelevant in the wake of iTunes and shit. That's true. The way that streaming has changed music is so fascinating. And we might talk about some of that a very little bit, which I guess is a clue. But Top of the Pop is about like streaming music services? No. Okay. Well, I want to hear about it. Okay. I do think <laughs> I it's your know. turn to go. F- I will tell. You know what? Just this once. Yeah. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell but me about I do it. think you should start because I think I started last time. Okay. So the thing that inspired this topic that you said last episode or an episode before, who's to say, who is, what is time? That you said that the average age in Japan is 48. Remember when we were talking about that? Oh, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. And we discussed how that is very, very bad because as an average age of population gets older, then so many resources have to be diverted towards like healthcare and keeping people alive and industry suffers because there's not enough young people, blah, 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 blah. It's not great. So I was looking into that because it's like, gosh, that is fascinating. And I came across a little place called Inakadate in Japan. Inakadate, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I'm going to butcher some Japanese names and titles and I apologize. But I'm going <laughs> to do my best. Okay. This little place has a beautiful and very adorable and cute and impressive tactic for drawing people back into a rural town in Japan. So I'm going to sort of going to set the scene a little bit to start off here. So Tochikubu, Japan, is another very similar very rural town and the children have all moved out of that big city never to return and both their parents who are in their 70s live out their days in this small mountain town gazing at the rice paddies below and wondering what will become of the house they built and the garden they tended and the town they love 
I don't expect them to come back, Kensaku Fueki, 73, told the, report, told the reporter about his three daughters, all married and living in Tokyo. It's very tough to live on farming. So for decades, young people have been fleeing this rural village, most rural villages, lured by the pull of Japan's major cities like Tokyo and Osaka and mm-hmm. Nagoya, to the point where Tochikobu's school now has only eight children and more than half of the town's 170 people are over 50. And oh, so, holy shit. Yeah, so Kensaku Fueki is like, who's going who's gonna to come here? Uh, he grew up in this village and remembers a time when all like you know, all the houses were full and all the, the land was farmed and people and families and children roamed the streets. And that's just not the case anymore with most Japanese rural towns. Basically, Japan's coming becoming something like a, like one big city state much more quickly than anywhere else in the world. So the major- vast majority of the population is either in Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya, and they're all kind of pretty much quite close to each other. They're all about like an hour and a half, two hours away. Uh-huh. But with the bullet train, that's like no time at all. They're like a couple, like 20 minutes or something insane. Right. So in 1950, 53% of Japan's population lived in urban regions. And by 2004, 93% live Holy in cities. Holy shit. In order to try and get people, like lure people back out into the rural areas, Japan is selling off houses for like, like a whole Japanese house for like 500 bucks. You can I mean, just... would they let a non-citizen come? <laughs> no, because of the extremely strict anti-foreign policy that's true um, i get it it's or, i get it but like i'm not gonna fight it right yeah no it's one thing they're very 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 strict on just to contrast that figure in the u.s 81 percent of the population lives in urban regions so it's still a lot but 93 percent is like pff, crazy it's almost everyone yeah so mo- obviously it's mostly the young people who move to the cities to in order to get better job prospects etc especially in japan some are like you know so so technology focused that that's only really going to happen in these giant cities. And so as Japan's population ages, the cities and towns outside the city state are sort of just fading away. Japan's Ministry of Internal Affairs says that around 15,000 of Japan's 65,000 also communities have had have more than half of their population over the age of 65. So that's pretty oh. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it means that like that's there's no one scary. around to care for people so they have to keep working, they have to keep farming. That's which what is I was like, going to say. Yeah. Like, like, what happens when one of these people falls down? Right, yeah. Like, do they have life alert? They, well, they do. So Japan has, like, much better social, like, social services in America. Shocking. And so, say, that's a low bar. I know. I know. So they do get some help. But, like, in Toshikubu, for, ex- for instance, people who might have wanted to retire at 65 are still having to till the fields at 75. Kensaku Fueki still has to climb on his roof every winter to shovel snow so their whole house won't collapse. And yeah, it is, it's definitely a problem in Toshikubu itself. Last year, an 80-year-old man had a heart attack while shoveling snow by himself because there's no one else to do it. Which is sad, yeah. This guy Richard Jackson, is the, who is the president of the Global Aging Institute, sure, says that in aging societies, our whole understanding of what it means to be elderly has, has to be shifted upwards and adjusted. So 60 right now is seen as the new 40 but the question is will that will 80 be the new 60 probably not (laughs) 
Right. But yes, yeah, so this drinking population has been a huge problem. And these small towns, a lot of who were like very close to each other, essentially have started this very competitive tourism magnet kind of ideas, like things that they can do to get people to come back or even to visit or just to conjure some sort of industry that's not farming in these places. So let's have a little look at Inakadate. The main reason that you would ever go to Inakadate is to climb an observation tower and look down at the rice paddies below because in the springtime, hundreds of volunteers meticulously plant shoots to create a giant living canvas on which a painting materializes from the ground. <gasps> oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, so this year it's a scene from Itomichi, which is a locally made film about a girl who plays the shamisen, which is like a, a three-stringed folk instrument. But this rice paddy art has become huge. Uh, before rice paddy art, says Fumihito Suzuki, he works at the local tourism department by this uh, uh, village. He says this was a rice farming area with no tourism and nothing to see. But so yeah, so obviously this has suffered from the same population issue as these other villages that I've been talking about. Uh, the rice field used to be worked by a lot of the men who have now passed away and have like left it to their wives to be working on. Inakadate has fewer than 8,000 residents, mostly farming families whose younger members have gone off to Tokyo like the other places. Of those who remain, they say that there aren't, there are a lot of people who aren't getting married. My daughter is one of them. <laughs> there aren't any children in the neighborhood except for an occasional middle schooler. So why, what, why a middle schooler specifically? <laughs> an occasional middle schooler. Everyone's like, comes and a tween goes. walks by. <laughs> no younger, no older. No, just a tween. Okay. Just and so, a surly little tween. <laughs> this demographic crisis, with the coupled with this village's mounting debt, they realized that they had to get creative. Like, how could they revitalize the village? And they, the only thing that they had around really was rice. These rice fields have been there for like over two thousand years, and they stretch as far as the eye, eye can see up to a mountain. And so they think, right, if there's something about us that differentiates us, then we can like you know put our name on the map and say this is a place, and then hopefully the population uh, might increase. After all, <laughs> this is all coming from. From the guy from the tourism board here he's like after all it's calm and there are no mudslides it's quite livable quite livable <laughs> nice. quite livable quite Feel that. livable um, so each year the designs become more elaborate, intricate, and imaginative. The village council plans the theme a year in advance, and the former high school art teacher, Helia, at Sushi Yamamoto, creates the design with careful attention to uh, gradation and perspective. The perspective that they do is so cool. They want to cater it so that it looks the best when you're at the top of this observation tower, so the perspective is particularly planned for that viewpoint. They use a computer to kind of like twist and bend the image so that if you're seeing it from that high, it'll be in its like original perspective, um, which is very, very cool. That is very cool. Yeah, and then obviously they have to like take a design and make it make sense with like the the much more limited colors that they have because there's only like seven colors of a farm field of farm field rice. Right. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah. So I know you like a visual reference, so like feel free to check it out. Yeah, it's a visual medium podcasting. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, well, if you listen to this and you have access to the internet, then check it out. About 1,300 mostly volunteers do the work of planting two different images across two sites. They get lunch, and then at harvest time, they get some of the rice, which is really cute. Like, when the image is over, they, they get some of the rice for free to eat. 
some of these strings that they have to use just for the colors aren't edible. Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. they were just like, well, we're, you know, we're going to make it pretty. So, yeah, um, these patties have hosted scenes from Star Wars and Gone with the Wind. They've depicted samurai and Hokusai's famous wave, woodcut and anime designs and Marilyn Monroe. And then for, yeah, this observation tower that th- for 300 yen, they you can go up and take a look at it. And the local shops sell food and souvenirs around it. At its height, 2016. Godzilla rice field which is so cool look it up attracted 340,000 visitors and despite a bunch of copycats popping up in rice regions across Japan and now even China the village topped mm-hmm. 20,000 onlookers in 2019 the population is still slowly declining but in 2019 the village debt which is around 30 million dollars was a third of what it was 10 years ago so it is bringing some really good stuff into the neighborhood and when COVID-19 happened the village abandoned the artist plan they had before and just painted a simple encouraging message in the rice one for all and all for one Um, and so and then this year of 2021 the village decided to plant at one site the scene from Itomishi is locally meaningful this is this movie I was talking about the director and star are from Aomori and all scenes were shot on location in the prefecture Um, there's an Itomichi selfie display in the tourist center posters in the train station even even one in the coffee shop where the reporter who covered all of this stuff stopped for breakfast but because of COVID the viewing tower is closed right now which is sad but the village invites people to instead track the arts progress fire much like the goat it's live camera so you can like log on and check out what like where (laughs) what it's saying what the picture is at any given time that rules yeah because then you can kind of check in on it like as it sort of like reveals itself yeah and like try and guess what it's going to be about um i'm clicking on it now to see what it looks like oh it's so cool it's got it all separated into like the days oh it looks amazing that's very cool i'm gonna um will po- you i'm posting will that you put link. The link in yeah yes check this out so you can like see <laughs> day by day how it grew into what it looks like now which is very cool <gasps> that's so cool oh my god Suzuki says that rice field art has become synonymous with Inakadate and next year they're going to go back to planting both sides because the vaccine rollout is progressing so they're hoping that more people can come and see it with their own eyes and what the residents have achieved is really remarkable multiple decades of town-wide dedication has made their obscure village internationally known bringing in much needed revenue but even though the population remains in decline children are even rarer sight than when they started planting and he says there's no breakthrough right now but they're doing everything they can to encounter to counter the population decrease and i think i just think they're beautiful there's such beautiful designs and they're so well done um so yeah i'm going to post some of the i'm going to post the godzilla one in the discord too but that is my story about writing in the rice fields you gotta be writing (laughs) yeah i really like that there i think that's very sweet it definitely has the energy of like i feel like this is a specific subgenre of movie which is a we've got to come up with like a craft project uh, to save our ex like we've yeah. gotta we've gotta you know do a naked calendar to save our garden club or yeah. <laughs> we, we've gotta do like an underground ski race to save our like youth center it's so uh, good and this kind of has this feeling of just like we've gotta draw something in this rice patty to save our town guys it's, it's the like only very, thing we can do <laughs> it's literally the only thing we do until the big bad evil developer comes so I mean I can't prove that there was an evil developer that tried to take over in Nakadate, but, <laughs> but I bet there was. But I mean, I also can't not prove it if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> 
Oh, Um, damn. I like the Star Wars one because we were actually just talking about this earlier. We were all sharing our our favorite, like, uh, fix or, like, sort of, like, uh, fan fiction uh, Mm -hmm. tropes or, like, tags. Yeah. I had to teach Max and and Celia what praise kink was. Oh, good. Uh, Because I was was like, if it doesn't have praise kink, I'm not reading it. Like, I'm just being (laughs) honest. Uh, But we did talk about... I'm just being honest with you, okay? I'm just being 100% honest. If it doesn't have praise kink, I'm not reading it. And then we were trying to explain it to Connor and like Celia was like, oh me, I'm like simply already an expert in this. And I was like, praise kink is like when, you know, somebody is like, oh, like you're doing such a good job. Like you're a good girl or whatever. And then Celia was like, what did she say? She was like, yeah, when you say like, oh, like you're my daddy or like you're my mommy. And I'm like, no, no, Mm -mm. that is actually a different kink <laughs> that would be a daddy kink or a mommy kink uh, please do not bring in daddy mommy discourse into my praise kink it is <laughs> like, different let's keep those different we were talking about how like when you start reading Star Wars fix a like shockingly common uh, tag you might come across is uh, hashtag inappropriate use of lightsaber <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and so I have like simply been thinking about it this whole time or just like when they were doing that ritual for me, uh, they were like, hashtag inappropriate use of rock. Uh <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Uh, It was very powerful. The question is, Chelsea, should we buy a a house in Japan? Well, I think we established earlier that we could buy it, but we would not be allowed to live in it as non-Japanese citizens. But we would know that we had it. But we would have it. And so then you have it. And then you have it. Exactly. And so you'd simply have it. (laughs) Uh, I always wonder about that because like, do you ever hear sometimes like on, especially like on Twitter, I feel like there's, they often go around like every uh, like few months where it's like hey so and so or like go to this place and somebody will pay you to live in this like old Italian oh, yeah. castle mm-hmm. they really need someone to live there and they're looking for someone and they'll pay you 2,000 euros a month and you have to live in this castle and I'm always just oh, like yeah. is this like the millennial equivalent of like a chain letter of like a prince of Nigeria <laughs> like I it's just hard for me to bl- I know there's a lot of castles in Europe like I get mm-hmm. that but like it's hard for me to believe that there's just all these castles that somebody's like somebody please live in my castle please like, come will you not please, please live come. in my castle they're like, they're like and also like there's absolutely nobody in my own country that will do this and I am begging any millennial on the internet <laughs> to just pack up and come live in my castle I'm like this feels like it can't be true and if it's true it can't be happening all the time Ellie as a former and I suppose current European uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do you have insight into this? Do I have insight? Is this real? Do you have British friends that are out there living in castles for free? No, not castles. Okay. I've known about people who have lived in like skyscrapers and old gyms and stuff like with weird kind of guardianships when people in mostly China and Saudi Arabia buy a property in London and they just want to make sure that like nothing happens to it. It's the cool uh-huh. like, guardianship thing. And one guy that I worked with once lived with like 10 other people and he just had his own floor of a skyscraper. Wasn't that part, wasn't that like um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's like show before Crashing. Fleabag? Crashing. They were like guardians in like an old hospital. Yeah, the, yes, exactly. Yeah, so I've heard of it in that case, but I haven't heard of people being like, please live in my castle. Yes, please. I'm begging you. I know 
<laughs> no one wants to do it. It's like, what the fuck? What? I'll fucking live in your castle, bro. <laughs> I will absolutely live in your castle. Give me the keys. Um, yeah, keys to the castle. Keys to the castle. Before we jump into your topic, um, I have to tell you a story. So today, I, on a whim, as part of my one-person sleepover, decided that <laughs> I, I was sick of the color of my hair because oh. I cut all my hair off because I had dyed it a bajillion million times over the years, and it was just like a hundred different colors and not the help, not her best self, not he- yeah, not healthiest. She wasn't showing up like I wanted her to, and right. she was going through it. Yeah. Yeah, just going through it. So I went to, took myself to CVS, got myself a bottle of Chardonnay, got myself some um, applique nails I'm going to put on a little bit later. And I was checking out the little, the dye aisle. And you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go a little bit conservative. I'm just going to get one that's like lightens by a few shades. I don't want it to be crazy. I don't want like platinum blonde hair, although I think it's very beautiful. Like I'm going to keep it natural. Mm-hmm. I buy this dye and I take it home. And because I know what happens when I dye my hair, I got a lot of um, uh, anti-brass toner because Christ. O'Reilly and <laughs> plopped it on my head sat down for, for, for the 45 minutes while it was doing its thing washed it out just bright straw yellow <gasps> when so was bright this? today right now I'm literally sat here right with, now <laughs> <laughs> it's happening I'm sat here with um uh like toning shampoo on my head and a little bag and I'm trying to get some of the brassiness out of it but I'm like god damn it every time uh-huh. <laughs> uh I mean let me know how it goes I need help yeah I might just if yeah you if know, it's still is, bad to this is my space. If this doesn't work, I'm going to be like, Darcy, help me. Well, I know they can go to <laughs> Sally's and they have that right, that toner that we used before that works, but. Right. But it happens to me every time I decide something spontaneous. I wanted to like send picture, uh, send a picture to Miles of like beautiful golden curls and me being like, look, I did a cute thing. Like, hey. <laughs> well, how long is, how long is he out and about in San Antonio? He gets back tomorrow. He's just gone down okay. for the dentist. Well, you probably have time to fix it. Or yeah, it's going to be fine. And which um, is like, and I like, I get it. Cause like I know like he would be like he'd be so mean about it. Oh, if he so, got home, yeah, he's such a he'd be <laughs> like, "Wow, my beautiful golden curls. <laughs> Where are they? Bring them to me. <laughs> I'd like to see them. Bring them. If you don't okay. show me those beautiful golden curls, <laughs> but I thought that I had, I just had to share that with you. Uh, I appreciate you sharing it, and I definitely yeah. know the stress. I've been thinking about dyeing my hair too, just because like all the swimming that I've been doing, trying to get kind of like my last swimming in before the end of summer. It just my hair is like it is like revealed itself as like hey you know how you've like bleached me a lot and <laughs> and then put like lots of random different colors on top of each other what if like I had like a real calico thing going on and I'm like oh Great. yeah yeah so, it's always yeah it's a good time uh, <laughs> yeah it's all very cute all right but are you ready to hear about the case of the bats yes I'm excited to hear about it I think I think there's some things in here you're gonna have a little bit of fun with oh hell yeah <laughs> let's get in a silly goofy mood this is absolutely a silly goofy mood uh uh topic but let Perfect. me tell you kind of where it started which is that I was doing what often informs topics on the show which was like just kind of pondering I was in like a little ponder mood yeah just uh were you looking out the window with both hands on your coffee cup yes so I was ex- <laughs> thank you I was exactly I was looking out the window both hands my coffee cup just like lightly blowing like uh, and I was like <laughs> what <laughs> what is the history of like what was like the first music video and that was my kind of first Ooh. thought and I was kind of thinking about like doing a topic about music videos and maybe I will someday but this topic has evolved because the short answer is that music videos started way 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 before I thought they did 
I thought that they were kind of like a 60s, 70s thing. And that is like when sort of the modern music video became a thing, primarily because like uh, music started to go international, especially with like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, so these sort of like super groups. Uh, and yeah. they couldn't be everywhere at once. So they started just like kind of recording little packages that they would then send internationally uh, whenever a new song came out. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you had like Top the Pops and American Bandstand and those kinds of shows. Yeah. Um, those were often pre recorded somewhere else and then sent and put together as a show so like that's kind of a precursor to a music video but even earlier than that there was this absolutely bonkers thing that we're about to talk about <laughs> that i have never heard of before but i'm now obsessed with called the scopatone okay have you ever the, heard of a scopatone the sco- no i've never heard of a scopatone okay so we're talking about the scopatone and then in my research with the scopatone i kind of evolved this topic to be about lost media formats because mm-hmm. i think something really really fun about like the specific time in which we grew up which like if you wanted to say it in shorthand were just simply the 1990s uh, yes yes the 1990s saw both the turnover from vhs to dvd and then also the turnover from like audio cassette to cd mm-hmm. uh and i think you know, like i remember growing up and thinking that was really interesting and then it happened like several more times like you know like as technology accelerates like we have seen the turnover of form like in our lifetime of like the 90s to now the 2020s of like odd like if you were to music for example like audio cassette cd mp3 to streaming right mm-hmm. yeah um and like a, a somewhat similar thing for like video just like vhs to dvd to now like streaming yeah um like i remember we had a netflix account we were like kind of maybe like at least earlier like in people i know of having like a netflix account where they would mail you the dvds yeah uh, and it was such a like there was something I think maybe I feel nostalgic about and like I would not be surprised if like in 20 years that is the thing that people are kind of like vintage heads about the way that people are vintage heads about vinyl now yeah it's just like the like combining like the love of getting like a letter with like getting the movie you wanted to watch <laughs> yeah. whipped so hard <laughs> like, you're like oh my god it's here season two of Fringe or whatever I did it like, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> but it was when I went to college that like I remember uh, they like very first Netflix like put a, a library of just like a handful of titles online. So it was like, oh, you can either get the DVD or you can watch this online. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I ever watched on Netflix online was The Office. Uh-huh. Uh, and okay. I was like, oh, the show's very good. Remember when, yeah. the, remember when The Office used to be on Netflix? Fucking Peacock. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Um, not mad enough to pay for Peacock. No, uh, and of course never not. will. No, but it's just so funny to think about now that like that used to be just like a very fringe part of their business model, and now it is simply how everybody consumes media, and it did not take very long. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No, not at all. <clears throat> it didn't take long at all. So and now it's like that- insane to think about things like Blockbuster or right. uh, like my aunt's insane DVD collection. <gasps> yes, like I. <laughs> used to have like I brought with me to college like a one of those big like CD binders of yes, DVDs me too. of all my favorite movies yeah and, like, it's, it's so weird nuts, to think about not so not so so not so. yeah so like at least DVDs like that's the other thing is like I remember because I was a kid and I had no context for any 
of these things. And also, I don't think we as a society even had context for them. But like, I remember kind of like experiencing the turnover of VHS to DVD, like as a child uh-huh. and being like, wow, this is it. This is the thing. Like, <laughs> this is what we're doing now. Everybody get with the program. We're watching movies on CDs. They have a bunch of special features. I'm gonna watch every single one of them. And then that, if you think about it, like looking back, like DVDs were what? Mm, oh. 1997, 1998 to 2008. Like there was like 10 years of DVDs. Yeah. And they were like $25, $30 each. <gasps> they were so expensive. Or like, the amount got TV of shows. money I spent on CDs and like, of course people adopted the streaming thing immediately because it was such a like no brainer in terms of the price. It's like I could go out and buy a $25, $30 movie or I could pay half of that and watch anything I want to on this thing for an entire month. Forever. <laughs> Forever yeah, and absolutely. So it's it's funny to think. So we have some examples of like obsolete uh, like formats, I guess. But the difference is, is that like VHS, audio cassette, DVD, like they all were successful in like their time. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to talk a little bit today about some that were absolutely like not successful and have been lost <laughs> to history. Okay. A couple of like, and I'm hoping that like most of these are people, things that people haven't heard of before, like maybe like the Scopatone. So let's mm. start with the Scopatone because okay. I'm super fucking obsessed with this now. A Scopatone was a, it was like, it looks like a jukebox. So like imagine, like imagine sort of like a 60s style jukebox, right? It has like the buttons, like as a place for you to put your change in. Okay. And then it has like all these little buttons that next to it have like a little like card in there that say like, you know, the La La Lanes, uh, <laughs> heard it through the grapevine or whatever. And um, I don't think that La La Lanes sang. It was Marvin Gaye who sang Heard It Through the Grapevine. I'm already fucking this up. But anyway, You're you fine. can picture this in your mind. <laughs> yes. Now, imagine sitting on top of that jukebox is like a big, almost sort of shadow box looking screen. Like imagine like somewhere between like an old fashioned tube TV and a mm-hmm. shadow box. Okay. And it's because Scopatones were jukeboxes that showed sort of a pre-music video music video in starting in the 40s, starting during World War II and kind of going through to the late 60s. Okay. Which is bonkers. Like, it's bonkers to me that there used to just be, like, music video players in, like, bars (laughs) in, like, the 50s and 60s. That is, yeah. I didn't know that there were, like, because I was under the impression, I don't know why, I don't know where I got this from, that Bohemian Rhapsody was one of the first music videos, and that was, what, like, the 70s? It was. It Like, it it was one of the first, like, kind of modern music videos. Uh But it's because Scopatones are not technically music videos. Although, if you watch one, which you can find some of them on like YouTube and Ooh, stuff. Cool. They they essentially function like a music video, but they're all like a little bit weird. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. They're really fun. What is interesting about them is that like they were trying very specifically not to. This is the part that's like really hard to like understand or like conceptualize now uh-huh. because music videos are still very much. I don't know. Music videos. I guess like it, maybe it's hard to say in like the 2020s, but like think about like music video culture in like the 80s and 90s uh, into like the sort of TRL. It's a very youth thing, right? Like youths like music videos, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But back in the time of the Scopatone, like starting in like the late 40s, they thought that teens or like youth culture would not have the uh, like attention span or energy to want to watch a music video. So they were like, okay, teens have jukeboxes because they want to dance and socialize and like rub up against each other or whatever. 
adults want to have like a more sort of sophisticated like music experience. So they only put scopatones in like bars and jazz clubs and casinos. Oh, okay. Really confusing. Like trying to explain to somebody like, oh, the reason scopatone didn't take off is because they were like, well, teens will never want to watch a music video. (laughs) This is preposterous. Who's going to want to watch this? It's preposterous. So there were some really big acts that did scopatone videos. Dionne Warwick did a scopatone video where uh, when she for her song Walk On By, Uh uh, where she uh, just is like laying on like a shag rug. Nancy Sinatra did one for These Boots Are Made For Walk-In, where she and a couple other girls in like go-go outfits do like go-go girl shimmy. Uh-huh. There are also some that are like definitely like very like kind of more adult mm-hmm. where like the, there will be like strippers or, you know, like exotic dancers uh, doing like a sensual dance uh, like Julie London's song Daddy. Again, we're not going to bring Daddy Kink into this. Um, <laughs> we're going to move but, swiftly on. Yeah, they have very like Scopedown videos all have like a very specific look. It's really easy to imagine being in like a smoky like dinner club in the 60s mm. and watching this video on this like very old screen that's kind of recessed into this almost sort of shadow box it almost feels like it's like a mirage like the energy of the music video was much more like it was like you know it was always meant to kind of be seen in this very specific um uh place uh so it almost looked like it's like you you put your money in you press the button and then the and then the singer just sort of like appears in a little box and sings the song for you (laughs) it's like kind of the energy of the videos they're not so narrative it, it was almost like the 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 tiktok of the 50s yes but only for adults because like okay. kids would never like that no it's boring so <laughs> so uh scopatones really kind of went out of fashion by the end of the 60s kind of aligning just like we were talking about with like starting in the 70s as like music had become more international in the 60s now you have super groups now you have musicians as like mega celebrities now musicians want to do stuff that's like a little bit more creative that they can disseminate on television and to fans directly through like fan clubs and stuff that's when you start to get music videos mm-hmm. like uh you know abba did a couple in the 70s uh bohemian rhapsody of course yeah um so now very few scopatones still exist most of them are in private collections a few of them are in museums one is in a museum in switzerland but there is one that is still in public like that you can go visit and it is at third man records in nashville tennessee and i want to go so <laughs> fucking bad i already love nashville in general and have been like wanting to plan a trip for like you know since pre-quarantine and waiting yeah um, but now knowing that they have a scopatone and it's like at this like record label that you can visit if you like plan ahead i'm like i would do almost anything give it to, to see, me to, give, to fucking see the scopatone i want to see it so bad that's so, so that cool is, that rules it's very cool i like i said i highly recommend going online and watching some of these they're really strange and they're all really adult like and by adult I'm, I don't like you're not going to be scandalized by these videos from the 60s right. but they're adult in the sense that like they're not when you compare them with like music videos in the heyday of music videos which I would say is like the 90s to the early aughts they're yeah. not for teens or like young people <laughs> they're not they are for like, you <laughs> they're not for them they're like what if like all these people were in Marrakesh and they were 
wearing go-go dresses and they were smoking cigarettes and they were stripping. And it's like, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> nice. So the next one I want to talk about, uh, and this rules, and I'm very into it, uh, is the laser disc. Oh, and I know yeah, laser disc yeah. is maybe one. Yeah, laser disc more people know about. Yeah. And I promise, like, we're gonna bring it home with one that I don't think you've heard of. But I couldn't not talk about laser disc, even though I knew it was more well known, because like uh I remember the first time I ever saw a laser disc, it was in high school at my friend Alex, who has been on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, at his house. He had Jurassic Park on laser disc. And rules. it freaked me the fuck out. Cause you've seen one, right? It looks like a CD that is the size of a record. It's massive, yeah. Right. But it looks like a CD. Yeah. It's fucking bonkers. <laughs> um but the other thing that I think is interesting about Laserdisc is that like obviously Laserdisc lost the like format war or whatever right. that it was yeah. that it was going against which was VHS uh, but it it became like almost like, kind of like the way that like vinyl is now uh, it became like a very niche uh, sort of video file format uh-huh. because as we know now like because eventually as DVD became it was just so much better like a Laserdisc looks so much better video on laser just looks so much better than video on VHS. Yeah. VHS was more stable and it was smaller and it was easier to produce and all those things. But before like, well, especially now, like before like file sharing where now we can share, you know, 4k videos with each other with medium ease. Back in like the eighties and like early nineties, like if you actually really cared about like what your movie looked like and you didn't want it to degrade over time because you know, like the uh, tape could get all fucked up then yeah. you won you wanted that movie on Laserdisc my queen <laughs> uh, but I just I really like them I have wanted to like be that annoying person that maybe gets like a Laserdisc a Laserdisc uh, player a Laserdisc player I know but this will bring me I am getting a little ahead of myself because this will bring me to my um, uh, my kind of like final thought okay uh, oh there's also the other thing is like that I think is really interesting about Laserdisc and why I think I might be able to get Connor on board is that Laserdisc was always more popular in like South and East Asian markets. Mm-hmm. So there is a ton of anime on Laserdisc. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so <laughs> people who are like real heads, like real anime collectors, uh, them and all the homies love Laserdisc. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I would love to find out. Uh, Alex, if you're listening to this episode, go ahead and uh, give us a shout out Show on, us your uh, on social media. Yeah. Do you still have your Jurassic Park Laserdisc from high school? Let me know. Let us sound off in the comments my king yeah the last one that i want to talk about before we kind of like move on to like a final thoughts kind of moment beautiful is uh the div x uh and the div x i once again when i read about this i lost my fucking mind Uh, (laughs) okay div x first of all did circuit city ever make it to very possibly what is it okay circuit city was like sort of a a competitor to best buy i do not think that it exists anymore i think it is fully out of business but <laughs> it was just like it was an electronic store it was very similar to Best Buy but here was what was different and here was what ruled every Circuit City had like a very iconic entrance mm-hmm. and it looked like a big plug that was coming down into the ground and you can still see the remnants of it at a lot of shopping centers around the United States like if you've ever gone into a like a Home Goods or like a Bed Bath & Beyond or something like that and the front of it is like this big sort of square that's been turned diagonal to you then uh-huh. that used to be a circuit city and i will show you because ah. uh, once again visual medium 
if you know what I mean. But like the real heads know that like the real heads. The real heads. By the real heads, I mean Americans who are listening to this who are of near an age of of me or Uh older uh, will know about this. But here I'm going to say they will simply know. They'll simply know. I'm going to send this to you simply right now, Queen. So that's what every Circuit City looked like. It looked like a big plug that came down diagonally. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so now they all still exist and they're just, they've just been like turned into other things. It's all going to come real circle because Circuit City, before they went out of business, found out that people were going to be out here renting DVDs <laughs> and uh-huh. they wanted to get in on this. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. They were like, hey, we're an electronic store. People trust us for their electronics. They're going to want to rent DVDs. Should we allow them to rent this little CD? Uh, No, we should not do that. (laughs) Instead, we should create our own proprietary format called the DivX and let people buy them and take them home. Now, here's where they were like, pro, unlike a blockbuster, you don't have to bring this back to us. Why? Because after like four, like viewing it like four times, it just degrades. Perfect. <laughs> you can't you can't you watch it anymore uh some people say it was like only watchable for about 48 hours um other, like it uh others would like lock and then you would have to go back to circuit city and pay a continuation fee to unlock the disc to continue to watch the video or you would just have this like useless like piece of uh um you know glass i don't know what is a cd made out of um shiny things shiny, shiny material shiny plastic y stuff yeah it's made out of like shiny yeah and so <laughs> you also had to buy a DivX player that you could only buy from circuit city oh, that wow. you could not play dvds on or vice versa oh wow right so rude um, <laughs> yeah and they were like guys we're about to be so fucking rich uh and it oh, it, oh this is also important not the dvd players were that much less expensive but they were definitely less expensive than this the starting cost for like a DivX player was 500 dollars, and this is in like 1998 oh my god they rolled out with somewhere between 19 and 50 titles oh uh <laughs> so like they're really just like hey come on we're you're gonna want to invest <laughs> hey come on it debuted nationwide in october of 1998 they did a multi-million dollar marketing campaign over that christmas 1998 season uh it did not work Perfect. and uh <laughs> and also it's a like an example an early example of like an internet campaign because it's like the like so the late 90s and all those like real heads on the internet were like <laughs> hey me and the homies hate divx this is a bad system yeah it's like i know that you think you're doing something fun and nice for us because we don't have to bring the dvds back but that was never the thing that we hated about blockbuster <laughs> it wasn't the bringing it back because we like bringing it back was fine because then we would go get another movie it was right. the getting charged like absolutely bonkers fees when you would bring <laughs> it back so this doesn't help anything right um also because they were using the sort of like proto like content locking technology to try to like lock it after a certain amount of views or after a certain amount of hours mm-hmm. that would cause weird artifacting in the videos oh. uh, of like the, the, that you know 50 titles right they did an online poll where they surveyed 786 uh people on like the format and whether or not they would convert to divx uh and they got a 97 percent disapproval rate <laughs> 
Oh, damn. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, they did another poll in December of 1998 and they got an 86% disapproval rate, even if the format were made free. Oh. That is <laughs> that is how uh, like unpopular it was. Uh, in response to Circuit City trying to kind of move in on like their uh, you know business model, Hollywood Video, which was a blockbuster competitor that existed for a while, mm-hmm. uh, started running advertisements where they literally called, they were like, now we have DVDs. Uh, like DVDs also, but they called them open DVDs, like as a direct sort of, you can go get a DivX or you can come here and get our open DVDs. DVDs for the people. <laughs> and so open DVD became a buzzword among DVD supporters and actually helped kind of push DVD over the, like over the hump mm-hmm. to kind of take over VHS. It's because people, it's not so much that, I mean, obviously people liked DVD more than they liked VHS, but they also hated DivX more yeah. than they loved DVD. DVD, so it really helped. Uh, and then, as you can imagine, by 1999, the format was discontinued. It was a miserable failure yeah. and helped speed up Circuit City's already like just inevitable demise. Oh, oh no. I know. RIP Circuit City. Circuit City, the place where my stepdad left me one time to try to teach me a lesson. And then I got him in a lot of trouble with my mom, oh, which is a story wow. that I think I've already told on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> that's my like childhood memories of Circuit City. I do not remember the DivX at all but I do believe that it existed and actually in telling this story that made me remember what I was kind of tracing earlier in this topic the like uh, formats for movies completely forgot Blu-ray because talk about yeah, a blip Blu-ray. I forgot Blu-ray but like like poor Blu-ray like they really thought like okay there was VHS then DVD had its time in the sun and, and now, now it's, it's time Blu-ray's for me Blu-ray's turn <laughs> now it's me Blu-ray I'm gonna well, be around for so long they had uh, to fight they, that yeah. legal battle with HD what was the other one like HD HD DVD yes sometimes I really think that Blu-ray won over HD DVD just because HD DVD is so fucking annoying to say yeah (laughs) Yeah. it just was like it was bad marketing on their part it really Uh, was but yeah RIP to Blu-ray like I don't know 2009 to 2009 just really didn't happen for them uh My mom still first... buys Blu-rays. I know. You shouldn't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, but actually, you know what? I did just make that joke, but it is a perfect segue into my sort of like final thoughts part of this, uh-huh. which is that I do feel like, uh, you know, like the the current sort of gold standard is streaming, um, streaming your music, streaming your movies and TV shows. And now, as we've, you know, kind of talked about offline, streaming your games like uh, Xbox has the Game Pass. Um, I th- believe that Sony has a similar thing that Connor has been using using on his ps4 oh cool uh, i didn't know so yeah done like one. steam steam is looking into like a thing like that also netflix is netflix netflix <laughs> a single one there's yeah they've only got one and one it netflix. is the good wife i'll take one netflix please uh netflix <laughs> netflix <laughs> Netflix uh, is moving into interactive, which we've already seen with like uh-huh. the Bandersnatch, Bandersnatch and stuff like that. Yeah, all of these are obviously incredibly convenient for right. the user. Uh, I do really like paying like one fee and getting to play all these different games and getting to listen to all this different music. I would say, out of all the things, I think the game one is the one that feels like the best sort of price point. To oh me, yeah, where it's especially like, games game are so ex- yeah, games are so expensive. 
expensive. They're so fucking expensive. And Game Pass has an... Like, I feel like they have such an extraordinary amount of games on there that I'm like, how is... Like, they must be losing money on that right now. It's Yeah, it's dizzy. Yeah. Um, But Connor, my boyfriend, who's been on this podcast Uh many times, including last week, he is very adamant that we get, like, if not physical copies, then, like, permanent digital copies. Yeah. So as in, like, not things that you just download on, like, a, a library or things that you can only access on a library right um of a lot of our content because he's just like you know the kind of the shitty part is and i remember people bringing this up way back when like itunes started becoming a thing with like ipods is like you are not paying for a copy of any of this content you are paying the right for the right to access the content yeah uh for as long as you like pay that fee right and then at any time they can change things uh or remove things right. you know and i think like there have been so some the weird... same with spotify too that's like one second they could just like take away your favorite music and there's nothing you can do right because you didn't pay to like have a, a, a copy of that music and i think like an you know another example um was connor and i have been like many people trying like low-key trying not really like really like putting in the work uh to get a <laughs> ps5 uh-huh. and sometimes like i follow it's like a little embarrassing i follow a couple people on twitter and i have like alert set up for them who are those kind of guys that are just like ps5 alerts that's not embarrassing alert. it's like the Restock. only way to get one i know restock alert uh circuit city in spacone illinois has three <laughs> ps5s can you get there or whatever and by the time um, you've read the full <laughs> notification they're sold out and they're gone <laughs> just kidding all those like all those ps5s in spacane don't illinois worry about are it gone. um but there have been a couple times where i've seen one of those tweets come up i've gone in and clicked and by the time i get there the only things they have are the digital only ps5s which are slightly less expensive yeah. than the regular ps5 because they have no disc reader yeah and so they are only Apple for bullshit move yeah they are only for like digital downloads and connor is like this is a dark harbinger like <laughs> you have like they are really just moving entirely to a subscription model where you don't own anything and you don't have the right to anything you just pay all these different big companies for the opportunity to play or listen or see or read or do any of these things uh, and you yourself do not own anything oh my god and i was like yeah it's not great but also game pass fucking whips but yeah. also i hear what you're <laughs> saying king and intellectually i understand it but also like in the little like sort of like lizard part of my brain that just wants to be entertained at all times yeah uh, with like I'm the not least gonna resistance fight this one. i don't know how much i can fight this but i hear you but uh, i do agree with him and so we are holding out for like the ps5 that has a reader so that we can mm-hmm. still get as many games as possible on right. hard disk and it's backwards compatible which is nice so you can play all your ps4 games on it right which of which we have a lot so yeah uh, the moral of the story is that if anybody is listening ever wants to buy connor <laughs> shea a video game make sure you do it on hard disk that is, how he pre- that is simply how he prefers it <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah that is that is my little investigation aka the case of the bobs into these lost formats i love it i love it. it's so cool it's like it's crazy to think and you like touched on it a little bit that in terms of our development as people just technology in itself is such still such a blip on our timeline and then Mm. also to think of just like how unrecognizable life in the 90s is to now like from you know 20 30 years ago the amount of like the idea that like imagine that you're walking through blockbuster and you've just like ran through the horror section so you don't have to see all the scary covers 
like the cover of it. Oh, and Hellraiser every time. Oh, Hellraiser um, was rough. That anyway, would keep going. As a, oh, terrifying as a child. And to think that you're like, hey, one day all of these movies will be at your fingertips. Like you would, like you don't have to leave your home, and you can not not even these like times this by a hundred, maybe even a thousand. You can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. I think my little child brain would just explode. Yeah, it's just like none of us are meant to like have this much information. Oh and no, yeah. I think it's why we're all really depressed. Yes. <laughs> but uh, once again, I am still going to press that serotonin button until it runs dry. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it's the same thing as like we're only supposed to live in like communities of 150, 200. And that's why we get yeah. so stressed out with cities. Um, but I yeah. loved your topic and I'm going to start by giving you 10 points from, from the uh, from the X and Div X. Nice, that's fair. Yeah. That just then, makes sense. <laughs> that just makes sense. I'm going to give you three more points for Laserdisc. Uh, two more points because Alex owns a Laserdisc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, but I am going to take a point away for how Laserdisc didn't make it. Yeah, you and know? that is on me. And, and I'm is, sorry about that. That is on you. And that is sad. I feel like what a fun, stupid media. Yeah, no, yeah. But what a storage yeah. like nightmare. That those things oh, are totally. so huge. I mean, I'm saying that, and I have like 30 vinyls in a little thing over there that I'm like very rarely play, but I'm like, I like them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, my mom has shown me, like, they used to have these things that almost kind of like a briefcase, but they were, like, thinner. Yeah. Uh, that you would just take over to other people's houses that had all your vinyls in it. You just had to, like, oh, pop around with your briefcase. It's like, hey, man, can you bring the new Who vinyl? Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Or, like, remember, like, or not remember, because we weren't there, but sure. have you ever seen in media how, like, comedy albums used to be a bigger thing? And, like, people would be like, come over and bring that great new comedy album and we'll oh, laugh. Yeah. And everyone would just sort of <laughs> sit and stare into space and chuckle yeah very strange very strange yeah yeah those are my points for you oh my god thank you so much okay well for you i feel like your topic was the perfect antidote to the sunday scaries oh like it was just so because i was i'm not gonna lie i was ready for it but i was a little worried when you started and you were talking about like like you know uh the sort of i don't know gray scare of japan yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) that i was like this is gonna be dark this is gonna be grim this is gonna be about old people dying alone which is really rough uh and instead it was was like this really cool story of like perseverance and creativity and nice like art co- like togetherness yeah uh and i really loved that so i'm just gonna give you i'm not even gonna get cute with it i'm just gonna give you 14 points i just really oh, liked it oh i love that yay because it made me happy it made my heart happy to see like the rice the rice art that you sent to discord yeah the, the fact that like over a thousand people made that to be like hey everybody yes. this is cool and pretty hey, everybody come see our star wars themed rice field we made it <laughs> we did it um well that's beautiful we tied and i found okay so i actually found my notepad where i um gave the score update before which was like heaven sent because i had already worked through like about half of the season and i was like oh no am i gonna have to start from the beginning (laughs) but so now i have a jumping off point and i have literally written on my to-do list for tomorrow count up the scores so because we're actually so we're so close we're so close to me doing what i said i'd do three weeks ago um, and it's gonna happen but thank you so much for listening to this episode of what I hope you enjoyed it and that you have some really fun facts to tell your friends and Chelsea where can people find you 
Oh, people? They, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, people? Oh, yeah. Those guys? They can find me. <laughs> they can find me at Chelsea Harfush wherever internets are sold. But if you're going to find me on Snapchat, I have to make a request based on my experience Friday night with my friends going through my Snapchat. Please don't send me a picture of your penis. Yeah, just don't. Like, I don't feel like I should have to say that, but and, and maybe yeah. I have like, I don't know, like <laughs> if I've given you the wrong idea in like past. So I'm actually going to like, I'm saying like everybody gets like a free pass starting now but from now on I have like in no uncertain terms said please don't send me an unsolicited picture of your penis with no context or like question <laughs> or don't send it to me at all yeah. but like especially don't uh, have never spoken to me before and then as like an opening be like hey here's me stroking my like semi erect penis yeah don't do that don't do don't that, do that. No, please just don't. find find something else to do maybe yeah um, you can find send me your at- favorite meme <laughs> cute yeah or it's your favorite cat picture whatever man yeah. Uh, you can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Maney on Twitter, and you can find this podcast at What Pod on. I might just start saying at What Pod wherever in there's a soul because I always mess it up. <laughs> um, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and that you come back next week. And in the meantime, I don't know, maybe go learn something. You know what? Yeah. Can I be real with you for a second? Please. Just like no cap, like podcast to pod, like podcaster to podcaster. Yeah. Co-host to co-host. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Tonight. Yeah. While you're by yourself. Yeah. Because you're by yourself and there's no man and no chip spooky yeah i would it would make me feel better as your friend yeah if you would keep it loose uh-huh. keep it tight yeah say your fucking prayers tonight oh i'm gonna say him don't okay. worry okay <gasps> okay all right <laughs>